Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. In this very mysterious and enigmatic passage, Jacob wrestles with this unidentified person. He gets a name change. He gets a new identity. He gets blessed, but also broken. This is Jacob's second major encounter with God. But in order to understand this obscure encounter, we need to understand something of the build-up and the background to the story and who Jacob was. Jacob's parents were Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac, of course, is Abraham's promised son. And when Rebekah is pregnant, we read, if you turn all the way back to Genesis chapter 25 and verse 24, we read that when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out and was red. His whole body was hairy, was a hairy garment, so they named him Esau, which means hairy. Great name. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Jacob literally means he grasped the heel, heel grabber. But figuratively, it means he deceives. The idea is of someone tripping another person up. In other words, deceiving someone. Older brother Esau is an all-action hero, dad's favorite. While kid brother Jacob is the more quiet type, mommy's boy. And Jacob lives up to his name. He is Jacob by name and Jacob by character. One day Esau comes back from being in the country and he's starving. Jacob is busy making a stew. So Esau asks, can I have something to eat? And Jacob takes full advantage of the opportunity. And we read in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 31, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. And in verse 33 we read, so he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. On another occasion, under the influence of his mother, Jacob deceives his own father. Using a goat skin, he deceives his own father, who is blind, into believing that he is hairy Esau, and thereby receives Esau's blessing from Isaac. The blessing, the promise of God that was given to Abraham and then repeated to Isaac will now be filled through not Esau, but Jacob. When Esau finds out about this, uh, we read in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 36, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright And now he's taken my blessing. And Esau is so mad that he wants to kill Jacob. As a result, Jacob is forced to flee for his life, and he flees to his uncle 
Laban. And on his way to his uncle, he stops one night at a place that he later calls Bethel. And it's here that Jacob has his first encounter with God. In a dream, he sees a ladder. It's one of those extendable types. It goes all the way up to heaven. And on the ladder are angels descending and ascending. And at the top is God. And we read in, in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 13, There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And God gives him the same promise that he gave to Abraham and to Isaac. The threefold promise. I'll give you land, you'll have many descendants, and you will be blessed to be a blessing to all people. But then in verse 15, God adds an extra bit. He says, I I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. God promises to be with Jacob, to protect Jacob, and to bring Jacob back safely to his native land. What we discover over here is that even though Jacob was a deceiver and a cheat, even though he was self-sufficient and selfish, Even though he never looked and searched for God, God searches for him. God finds him. God wants a relationship with him, and God has plans and purposes for his life. Friends, it's the same for us. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past, how bad you've been in the past. It doesn't matter about anything else. God wants a relationship with you, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he searches after you. When Jacob wakes up from the dream in the next morning, he goes, wow, God is here. And I didn't even know. And then we read in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 28, then Jacob made a vow saying, if, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, And will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house. Then, then the Lord will be my God. This is the beginning of Jacob's relationship with God. And he basically says, okay God, I believe you. And if it works out well for me, then you'll be my God. He starts trusting God, but it's conditional. He hasn't surrendered to God. Nevertheless, God is faithful to his promise, and he does bless Jacob. While Jacob is with his uncle Laban, he meets the beautiful Rachel, and he falls in love. He has to work seven years for Laban in order to marry her. Then on the wedding night, 
probably aided by the darkness, the veil of the bride, and probably too much wine. Uncle Laban is able to swap the beautiful Rachel for the unloved older sister. Seven years of working for the beautiful Rachel only to wake up and discover he's married the ugly sister. There's a kind of poetic justice. Jacob had deceived his father. And now his his father-in-law deceives him. You see, we will reap what we sow. Nevertheless, after another seven years of work, Jacob gets Rachel as a wife. And after 20 years of living with Laban, Jacob becomes truly wealthy. He has a big family. He has true wealth of sheep and goats and camels and many servants. God has truly blessed him. And then God holds him to his vow. And God appears to him and speaks to him in a dream in Genesis chapter 31 and verse 13 and says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now, leave this land at once and go back to your native land. You see, God holds him to his vow and says, okay, I've blessed you now. Obey me. Trust me. And go back. The question, of course, will Jacob be true to his word? Will he trust God? Well, initially he does, and he he starts going back. But soon as he's about to enter into his native land, soon as he gets to the river Jabbok, and he's about to cross, he suddenly gets cold feet. You see, there's a cost involved in obeying God. He has to face his brother Esau, who wants to kill him. There's always a cost, a risk involved when we start being obedient to the will of God. And this is where we pick up our reading in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two maidservants, his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Everything else has crossed the river. Everything else has gone before him, but he's hasn't gone across himself. He's alone. This is the moment of truth for Jacob. Is he going to be obedient? Is he going to trust God? Is he going to do things his way or God's way? And it's at this point that we read, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. An unidentified person attacks him. Later on in the narrative, we discover that this person represents God and is most likely the angel of the Lord who appears in human form to represent God. And Jacob struggles, wrestles with him all night. 
verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, that's, that's a shocking statement. The angel of the Lord could not overpower him. But what is even more shocking from Jacob's perspective is the next phrase. He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. His hip is dislocated by a mere touch. At this point, Jacob must suddenly realize who his attacker is, the true identity of his attacker. And we read in verse 26, Then the man said, Let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob is no longer fighting. Now that he knows who his attacker is, he isn't fighting. He's merely holding on for, do- or for, for, the, for dear life, and he refuses to let go. He's hanging on and he's saying, I won't let you go unless you bless me. You see, he's suddenly come to the realization that if he's going to trust God, if he's going to do things God's way, he needs God's help. He needs God's blessing on his life. He's not self-sufficient. And if we're going to do things God's way, if we're going to trust God and step out in faith, we will come to the same realization that we can't depend on our own strength, we can't rely on our own resources, and we'll desperately depend upon God to, to help us. We'll need the blessing of God upon our life. The man then asks him in verse 27, Before he blesses him, he says, what is your name? Now, it's not like God suddenly forgot. Uh, Who are you again? It's not like the God who created the whole universe, who knows everything, suddenly had a lapse of memory. Can you run your name by me again? God is not asking the question for information. He's asking the question so Jacob can reveal his true character. Jacob, he answered. And with that one word, he is confessing his true character. He is confessing that he is a deceiver and a liar and a cheat. He is confessing that he has been self-sufficient and selfish, always looking out for number one. He is confessing that he has lied to his father and he has cheated his brother. He is confessing that he is Jacob by name and Jacob by character. And if we want to experience the blessing of God, we first have to confess that we are Jacob. The man then replies in verse 28, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. The blessing comes in the form of a new name, a new identity, a new character, a new destiny. No longer will he be The deceiver, he will be Israel. Now, Israel literally means 
God fights or God struggles. And his name will always remind him of this wrestling match with God. And it will remind him that he has struggled with God, and he has struggled with people, with Esau and Laban, and he has overcome. Overcome? Has Jacob overcome God? No. God merely touches his hip and it's dislocated. Has Jacob overcome Esau? No. He's terrified of Esau. But he has overcome the struggle. He is no longer struggling with God. He is now at peace with God. And because he's at peace with God, he can be at peace with other people. For the new name Israel looks forward to Jacob's new character of being at peace with God and at peace with people. And therefore, his new name also assures him of a successful meeting with Esau. That's why later in verse 30, it says, So Jacob called the place Peniel, Peniel, saying, which means the face of God, saying, It's because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Because he has met God and survived, he can be assured that he will meet Esau and survive. And through this pineal experience, Jacob receives a new name, a new identity, a new destiny, Israel. And this assures him and prepares him to meet with his brother. And this new character is soon evident for all to see. In the very next chapter, in chapter 33, in verse 3, it says, Jacob himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. Courage replaces cowardice. He, he goes on ahead of his family to meet his brother. Humility replaces arrogance. He bows down seven times before his brother. And in verse 4 it says, But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him and threw his arms around the, his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Jacob is at peace with Esau. And then Jacob tries to give back the blessing that he stole from his brother. In verse 10 he says, No, please, said Jacob. If I found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Now that you have received me favorably, please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all that I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Through this pineal experience, Jacob is reborn as Israel. So my question to you this morning is, have you had your pineal, your own pineal experience? 
For we've all had our Bethel experience, otherwise we wouldn't be here at church, we wouldn't be listening to the sermon. We've all had our Bethel experience, we're all happy to believe in God on our terms. We're all happy to believe in God as long as it's beneficial for us. If you bless me, then I will. And we can continue living life our way and in our strength. We continue to remain self-sufficient. We continue to remain in our comfort zone. And basically, we stay the exact same person, Jacob, except we've added a very good insurance policy called God. But God isn't happy with our theoretical belief. God wants all of us. God wants to change us and transform us into the person He created us to be. God wants to give you a new identity and bless you. And God is not about to let you go. He's looking for people who He can trust. But for this to happen, we have to step out of our comfort zone. We have to give up on our independency and our self-sufficiency and take a risk and say, Okay, God, I'll do it your way. I'll lay it all down before you. Not my will, but your will be done. And it will include confessing who we really are, that we are Jacob. That we are are self-sufficient, that we are selfish. It includes facing up to the wrongs you've done and the mistakes you've made in the past. It includes being reconciled to those people that you have wronged. It will include receiving a new identity, a new character. It will include coming to the point where you realize that you aren't self-sufficient, that you can't do it in your own strength, that you are totally dependent upon God's blessing on your life. This is a pineal experience. And perhaps half of you is saying, yes, this is what I want, but the other half of you is saying, no, I like to be in control. I'm doing fine the way I am. I like to do it my way. And there's a struggle within you, and there's a struggle between you and God. God is happy. He invites you to struggle with Him. He invites you to wrestle with Him. He invites you to question Him and debate Him because He's happy to wrestle with you because He loves you. Because he wants a relationship with you. Because he wants to give you a new identity and bless you. Because he wants you to become the person he has created you to be. This is a pineal experience. So my question this morning is have you had your own pineal experience? If not, then make today your pineal experience. 
Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, you come and search us even when we don't look for you. That you desire a relationship with us, that you have plans and purposes for our life. Despite the fact that we have made so many mistakes in the past, that we've got so many things wrong. You still love us, you see the good in us, and you want to change us and transform us into the person you originally created us to be. Father, we can't thank you for that enough, that you don't let us go. That you come and you meet with us and you wrestle with us. Father, won't you wrestle with us afresh? Father, won't you help us to trust you? To not just have a theoretical belief, but to come before you and say, I'm going to trust you with my whole life. I'm going to give everything to you. I'm going to live for you and you alone. I'm tired of of second best. I'm tired of being Jacob. Form your Israel within me. Give me a new identity, a new character, a new destiny to be the best that I can possibly be with your help. And Father, forgive us when we, we always like to be in control. We like to do things our way. We, like, we become happy with our self-sufficiency and our independency. Father, and where we are totally self-dependent, won't you touch us on the hip And make us realize our dependency upon you. Help us to reach out and grab you and to cling on to you and never to let go until you bless us, until you change us and form us into the image of Christ. Perhaps you've been a Christian for many years and you've had a pineal experience, but it seems to have faded somewhat. Then make this your fresh pineal experience. Spend a few moments now in silence, in prayer, listening to God and speaking to God. Wrestle with Him if you need to. He invites you to question, to debate, to wrestle. But don't let the opportunity pass. Amen.